Hi, I'm Kian. And I'm Ramina. And you're listening to Sci-Section on 93.3 CFMU. We are here today with Dr. Louis Berriot, who is a professor and the Dean of the Faculty of Science at the University of Ottawa. Thank you for joining us today, Dr. Berriot. My pleasure. I'm happy to be with you today. Alrighty, to start, we have two rapid fire questions for you. Firstly, who's one of your role models in the scientific community? Oh, in the scientific community, um, well, I would say that my former uh, PhD supervisor, Pierre Delanchin, who is now uh, Emeritus Professor in University of Sherbrooke, I think uh, the role model for, for me was that he gave me the freedom to do what I want. He gave me direction, but he gave me, he said, Louis, here's the tools, here's the funding, show me how good you are and take ownership of your project. I think having, the, having this liberty to accomplish what I have in my mind with his support was a great asset in my career. And the other person that I would say a role model, and I never met that person before. It's when I was uh, teaching uh, medicinal chemistry uh, in the University of Ottawa in a fourth year course. During the course of medicinal chemistry, I was talking about uh, viruses and treatment against viruses, etc. And I came along with this person named Gertrude Alien. Gertrude Alien, uh, if you go on, on the, if you look on the Google, you will see that person is exceptional. Um, she was well. She was a woman, and uh, in the 40s, uh, was not able to get her PhD. Uh, she was able to get an MSc, but at that time, it was very hard for a woman to do PhD, and she tried to do part-time, and it, she was booted out, and she said, well, you can't continue, and then she has a job on, on top of this. She, worked, she was working as an administrative assistant in a, in a clinic. Then she joined uh, Borough Welcome, which is now a GlaxoSmithKline, as a scientist, because she has a master's degree in science. And... So far, this is the only human being who put on market six drug. The first drug to treat uh, leukemia in children and one of the drugs that you put on market, it AZT, which is the first drug to treat AIDS. And uh, later on, she got uh, uh, honoris causa PhD from, a, uh, from Duke University and she got a Nobel Prize in 1988 in medicine. The resilience of someone who was not able to continue a PhD or dream and work as a secretary, move into the company as a, as a researcher and develop, put on market six drugs. This is, there's no other human being I've done this so far. That's awesome. Save lives of millions of people. Actually, that is a great segue for our next question. So what do you think has been one of the most important scientific discoveries of all time? Of all time, <laughs> many. <laughs> okay, uh, to be honest, I was just focused in chemistry uh, because this is where I'm, I'm most com uh, comfortable with. I, I know uh, you can say, well, the discovery of the wheel. I mean, this is, of course, uh, something that you cannot uh, discard. But I would say that uh, the discovery of Antoine Lavoisier, which is the father of modern chemistry, Antoine Lavoisier, uh, if you remember at that time, was during the, uh, you know, the uh, revo revolution in, in France. And he was an aristocrat, but also a scientist and a biologist. 
And uh, as a scientist, you know, at that time, he was fighting against other scientists and also against the, you know, the church saying that there's only four elements, you know, water is an element. And uh, so he was able to demonstrate to, uh, uh, to uh, experiment that water was composed of two elements, hydrogen and oxygen, in a ratio of two to one. So he was the father of stoichiometry. And based on that, this was someone who have experiment, demonstrate that water is not an element. It's created by a gas, two gas, hydrogen and oxygen, which at that time was not discovered. So think about it. How would you do this at home to demonstrate that water is two elements? But right. put in this, now you know, I'm sure you will devise an experiment saying that, uh, you know, we'll, we'll use electricity to do uh, electrolysis. But think at that time, there's no electricity, there's nothing. Right. And you have to demonstrate that someone, uh, everybody believed that water is an element. And you demonstrate it's not true at all. Right. So I think to me, this is a great discovery because it itself, the foundation of what we know today as modern chemistry. And without chemistry, well, uh, there is no drugs, uh, there is no vaccine, there is, there is no biology that we, we understand it. Exactly. So I think this is the foundation of, for me, it's one of the most important discoveries. Right, that's awesome. For sure. And now moving on to your profession, could you give us a summary of your educational path and how it led you to where you are today? Okay. Uh, I have to tell you this. Um, when I was a teenager, um, I was not good at school. In fact, uh, the, uh, the advisor or the, 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 the counselor told myself and my parents that I don't, I don't have the talent to go to university. I should find a job after high school. And because I know I, I didn't have good marks, I have to say this. I mean, chemistry was not in my radar. I was more like a guy who uh, played hockey. And, uh, well, I mean, sport was more important than track and field was more important than, than, than studying. And I went to college. Well, in Quebec, we have the called the CEGEP, which is in between uh, high school and uh, university. We have to do two years of college prior to go to university. And during that time, again, I was not very a good student, and my mark was pretty bad. And uh, however, I had one course of chemistry by a professor who passed away during the semester, unfortunately. But he explained to me, you know, stoichiometry. And, and I understand. I said, wow. Chemistry is cool. And now I refocus my energy and decide to say, I'm going to chemistry. I'll do a, a, a BSc in chemistry. I went to University of Sherbrooke. And University of Sherbrooke at that time, they were offering the co-op program, which was new uh, in, in Quebec. There was few universities offering the co-op program, which I never did, by the way. I decided to do all my, my, uh, my semester in a row because the first summer I was doing, I was in University of Sherbrooke, I did uh, summer work in the lab of Professor Pierre Denonchin, my PhD supervisor, and uh, I, I fell in love with organic chemistry. And I said, well, I don't want to do co-op anymore. I want to do uh, a master degree in, in organic chemistry. And then uh, I just, you know, put all my semester all together. I mean, one after the other one, so there's no break. And I finished finish uh, a year earlier than my promotion and my classmate who did the co-op program. And after one year, I decided to become a prof. 
So I told my supervisor I want to become a prof, so I want to do a PhD in postdoc and the whole thing. But from someone who'd been told that you shouldn't go to an university because you don't have the talent and the capacity to now be a dean of science, uh, it's a big change. That was really inspiring. Um, a lot of the students actually get fascinated by success. Personal or professional, doesn't matter. But without knowing all the challenges that were faced along the way. Uh, and I'm sure being at your position right now did not happen easily. So could you tell us about some of the challenges you faced along the way as a student? I think the challenge along the way is, uh, I would say this. I mean, in science, we do support our students. So uh, we give them stipend. So money, uh, we, give, we give them money that they can, they don't have to find a job elsewhere. They can work in the lab and having a support so they can concentrate on their study. I know it's not, uh, I know a lot of money, but it's enough to cover the fees at apartment and everything. This is a good, that is something that we try to, to have students that they don't need to go outside to work for their needs if they, they have to. Um, I think, um, it's very personal because depending on the student, some students need guidance, some students need less guidance. In my case, I need much guidance, but some students need guidance. And as a supervisor, I felt that student, when you need guidance, you have to be present. You have to be there for them. You have to help them because, you know, as a supervisor, uh, they talk about their science, but also sometimes they talk about their personal issues. Uh, and you have to be there and listen to what they have to say and try to guide them the best as you can based on your own experience and to be open-minded. And that is very important. Um, another thing is, uh, you know, uh, I think uh, when, you go, when you do grad studies, you have a support. When you do PhD, uh, postdoc, you have another type of support. And now more and more university in Canada consider a postdoctoral fellow as employee of universities. So therefore they have some benefit, which is important because when I was a postdoc in the United States, I have no benefit at all. And my income was $18,000 per year. And uh, I have to support my wife because she cannot get a, um, uh, a job in the US and we, have, uh, and, she, and we have our first kid in the US. So I was a support for uh, my wife and my kids and I have to pay uh, my health insurance, which was $120 per month. So uh, you do the math, <laughs> you realize that uh, not, uh, I don't have much benefit. So now giving more money to, uh, to postdoc, uh, we consider them as employee universities, so we have, they have more benefit. I think this is what is also uh, important and make it more accessible to students. For sure. Yeah. I feel like a lot of students obviously do have the financial worry, so it's nice that the system is changing and giving more benefits to students compared to past times. And also, I'm aware that you're very involved with conducting research and from the Barrio Research Group. So could you tell us a little bit about your research group and what the focus is on? Oh, yeah. Uh, although I'm a dean and uh, uh, managing your faculty, there is uh, 5,000 undergraduate, 800 graduate, 165 uh, let's say a, a professor and uh, hundreds of, uh, of support staff. This is a lot of a big operation, but uh, I keep to keep my sanity. <laughs> I need to, to, to have my research group going on. And I have eight grad students, eight, uh, two master and six PhDs. And uh, so although I'm very busy, my students are my priority. They are in my schedule. I meet with them every week. And we have a group meeting on Friday. My Friday is my dean, my dean off. 
uh, day so I can do research uh, with my students. Uh, yeah, my research is about organic synthesis and we do uh, nat synthesis of natural products that are uh, important in medicine uh, through, uh, let's say, developing new strategy to make those complex natural products in a short amount of time, uh, a short amount of steps. And also we have a project toward the photoredox, so using light and metal to uh, catalyze reaction by removing or donating an electron to a substrate and to catalyze this reaction. But when we develop this transformation, it's for a goal of application in the synthesis of natural product. We use gold as one of our metals, uh, which is uh, people think is very expensive, but there's more expensive metal than gold, I can tell you that. So gold, we can ex excite gold with light and gold will act as either give an electron or re will receive an electron and then enable uh, chemical transformation. What do you think our scientific community needs the most right now? Two things, funding and recognition. Funding is quite evident. I think uh, science is underfunded in Canada. I think we train uh, scientists. These scientists work in industries or become professor or work in the government and they are the asset of our economy. Scientists work in industries, let's say in pharma industry, they, 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 they produce drug to help Canadians. I think this is really highly important. I'm not saying other professions are not as important, but we are not recognized for what we bring to the society, I think. I think mm -hmm. scientists are shy. They are not out there to tell, to tell the people that, hey, we are there, we're we here to help you. We solve problems. And funding, uh, funding, uh, the, the funding research should not be seen as a, uh, I would say this, as an expense, but rather as an investment. Mm -hmm. And that is the same thing for education. Government and people shouldn't see education as an expense, but as an investment. Just to let you, I just want to have a, do a caveat into this, uh, this, uh, this, this question. You know what, I was, unfortunately, I don't teach anymore because I, I, I can't, but I wish, I would love to, I like to teach. But when I was teaching organic chemistry, the first thing I said to my student when I go into class, I said, you're not students, you're investors. This is what you are. You pay, you know, uh, maybe $40,000 uh, through you know, the, the course of your study, apartment, tuition fees and everything. My course costs you about $800 per semester, about, let's say, 25 bucks per, 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 uh, per lecture. And I said, I will give it for your money. The point is, you're an investor. I mean, it's not, it's not easy. You, you have to work hard for your, your investment. Your investment is not the grade, it's the knowledge. And you don't have to go to Harvard or MIT. I'll give you a good, as good as Harvard and MIT. Don't worry about it but you're investors. So investor, you have to take care of your investment, mean study, and don't be afraid to ask questions and get the knowledge. My job is to give you the best course as possible so at the end, you get the knowledge and you can be more competitive on the, on the, market, uh, on the market job. For sure, mm -hmm. thank you for sharing that with that audience too, because I'm sure they'll be happy to hear that, especially during such difficult times. I know a lot of us are taking some time to just adjust to the whole remote learning, especially with the upcoming academic yeah. term. So just as a final question, if you had to give one final advice to undergraduates listening to the show right now, what would it be? Advice, manage your time. 
I think this is the success. Me, when I was not a good student, I got poor mark because I didn't manage my time. I was the person who studied last minute and thinking that everything would go fine until I found a routine and discipline that said, well, I will study well in advance, make sure that everything go fine. And the eve of the exam, unless it was a, an exam by heart, you have to, <laughs> you have to give you know, answer by heart. If it was a, not, normally I would never study the EV exam. I was just relaxing, watching hockey, because I was confident because I studied for two, three weeks before the exam. As soon as I did this, my mark go from D to A. So I think discipline and manage your time, especially with remote learning or online. It's so easy to say, well, yeah, yeah, I will do that later. I will catch on this YouTube or those, uh, this is mistake procrastination. This is no good. <laughs> I said, discipline and manage your time. And with perseverance, you will, you will achieve your goal. Guarantee that. Perfect. Thank you for sharing that awesome. with our audience once again. And that does bring us to the end of this interview. Dr. Berrio, thank you once again for joining us today and highlighting the importance of science. And for everyone listening, make sure to check out SciSection's podcasts available on global platforms for our latest interviews.